Hello and welcome to Everyday Channel number 138, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new patrons, Quinn Harris, Guillaume Graf, and Eternal Casual. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydaychannel. Guys, we just like started in the new year and I had, I had one of the biggest New Year's resolutions and that is not to cast from a hotel room anytime soon. Yeah, guess what? First <laughs> you episode. did it again. <laughs> but are you even in the right hotel? I, I, yeah, we just talked about this, right? I, I went to the wrong hotel, but they literally built the same hotel across the street. When I walked in, the guy didn't have my name, but he literally had the the guest list of the other hotel. And he told me, oh, yeah, you, you just like walk uh, under the tunnel. And like we, they, they even had like an express tunnel into the other hotel. Like, this is crazy. Anyway, I, I finally arrived. Thank you, Deutsche Bahn, for like keeping me busy uh, all day long <laughs> and making trains vanish and stuff. And all of a sudden, they, they reappeared. But now we are back. Everybody is back. Uh, and I didn't have the longest journey of all of us, right? Kai, you, you came from way far away. <laughs> dude, I'm still jet-lagged as fuck. <laughs> how how like... do you get jet-lagged traveling west, dude? You're such a noob. <laughs> I, I know, I know, right? Like, so um, for everyone who doesn't know, I... I, I... Went uh, to Japan for like two and two and a half weeks during the holidays. Spent like the the, the first half of January in, in Tokyo. It was, it was it was absolutely stunning. Like there's like there are only upsides. Holy shit! I, I gotta talk about this like in a bit, but there are only upsides. <laughs> I'm going to Japan, and, and now I'm back, and I am jet lag as fuck, and it just doesn't stop. I've been here for six days at this point, and I still been like waking up at four a.m. and like. Is, are, do you guys have like any secret tips or are there any secret tips for just getting rid of jet lags because it really sucks honestly like when you travel west it's it's like usually super easy you just stay up a couple of hours longer and then you go to bed and everything is fine but when you travel east that's what fucks you up because then you wake up in the morning and and you uh, it's it just like doesn't work doesn't work at all so i can't oh, really give you any tips that's interesting because like i because uh when i when i um, went to japan i got just like i got drunk asap and then that kind of worked out Pretty well for me. So have you got drunk when you got home here? Not yet. Well, that's the problem. There you go. <laughs> you just drink. Yet. <laughs> didn't, didn't you get drunk yesterday? Like you partied with some famous yeah. artist or something? Yeah, like I, I was like I was like pseudo drunk. I was like not drunk drunk, you know? Like there's like there are like certain tears of, of being drunk, I feel. Is, is uh, it true that like Japanese get drunk very more easily? Oh dude, like yeah, like instant. Like it's like you know, like like, like uh, the game ends on turn one, kind of. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's really and like and like every time I, I drink with like my German friends, it's like dude, like we are already in extra turns and like Tell man, they can like drink forever. Like how can German drink so much, so much beer? It is it is not only good for your health, it's also pretty bad for your wallet too. It's a dark right. ritual cast sake. Yeah, it's like <laughs> man, target I don't, player gets I, you a target drink. Nice. I would love that. I would like that. Yeah. It exists. Actually, like, coupon. Like, do, do you OP guys know card. that? Do you guys know that there are like so many all-you-can-drink uh, bars in Tokyo? And like now, I kind of get it because oh like God, really? no one really like goes for goes for the the, the, the full the full menu. They just kind of drink like two, one or two drinks. Really, the only That's thing crazy. I've heard about is like Nico Hard Eye, like all you can cat. Oh yeah, and that all you can cat. Yeah, yeah. They're, like apparently they are like doing a lot of. I, I'm kind of waiting for like the all you can magic. So like a flat right? Uh, I think that's what, what they call winning out of legacy, right? Oh, right. Yeah, oh, they already have. They already <laughs> yeah, have that. Yeah, true. <laughs> but dude, how, how how was Japan? Like we're we're gonna go into that in a moment. Where we'll also yeah. be talking about me playing the cetera and a couple more things. Right. But, but uh, if I, I want to like sum it up, it was basically like infinite best food, 
and infinite paper magic. And if that doesn't already sound pretty good to you guys, it's also um, combined with the yen is super cheap right now. So everything was just, it was insane. <laughs> if, if you, yeah, if, if you earn um, um, euros or American dollars or what have you and you convert it into yen, it's, 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 everything is basically for free. Oh, maybe we should like put pull our pull our money together and, and buy some real estate in, yeah, in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah, I guess we're only we're almost <laughs> there, right? <laughs> about about a year ago, we said uh, we would come over at some point together as a gang. We really yeah, should. yeah. We really I should. mean, the only thing that I heard that went up is actually flights. I guess you can still get them for under a thousand or something. Yeah, that's exactly what I uh, what I did. I think I think my flight was like a little under a thousand euros and. Uh, Oh, once once you are under a thousand, I think you are like in the okay okay area. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're okay. So we we talk about your experience in uh, in Japan in a moment, but Callum, what have you been up to? I've been doing kind of less exciting things. Um, I'm kind of with Yukai in in spirit for the the sleepiness. So I was a guest on the Canadian Threshold podcast. You know the guys from Vancouver. Hell yeah. And uh, love that podcast, really fun. And we said we'd schedule it for Tuesday. And because our hours don't really line up, there's, I think, a six-hour difference or something, we said we'd do my 6 a.m., so get up early, and there 10 p.m. Clever Callum didn't work out which way the time goes. And um... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's eight. It, there should be an eight-hour difference to you. <laughs> oh, eight, yeah, maybe. <clears throat> so yesterday morning, woke up at 5.30, ready to go, messaged them saying, like, hey, guys, where are you? <laughs> and then like it gets to quarter past i'm like yeah i've i've messed up something here so um i've woken up at 5 30 the last two days in a row we did it this morning <laughs> so waking up at 5 di- 5 30 two days in a row is uh I'm... oh oh i see i see because yeah, you, yeah. you were talking about the day but for you it was the next day kind of for them it was the previous day and you were only talking that, yeah. that, that literally happened to me last time <laughs> i went to china and we were doing legacy premier league i i remember i arrived at the airport and was like i, I think i talk, talked about this it was close to midnight mm-hmm. and i i furiously tried to gain like a little bit of internet so i could message anorak and eventually I found some internet lying around and I messaged him and I was like, dude, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm going to be late, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, dude, like, the show is not until in like 24 hours. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got it the nice way around. Well, I guess say I got it the early way around as well, but um, it was pretty funny. So I got to just, I, they said, oh, I hope it's okay. I hope you've got your enthusiasm. I was like, ah, I just played a League of Painter in the morning and then went to work. <laughs> but, but um that was really cool i did that yeah so technically this morning um other than that we had our llm um last saturday great fun as usual really cool initiative mirror in the finals as you do oh it's just our legacy at the moment tell us about it not no <laughs> do, do, do people still say that um, isn't that like so 2000s not. the guys the guys were super cool so congrats to chris and tom but they were like super jovial and joking in the final uh chris was on I like the plane they don't even get last names <laughs> you chris, play Grimsey, initiative. chris play Grimsey initiative. and tom durans um but yeah if they're listening well done but they were just like chris was the first seed i think so they were just joking like before like oh well chris wins we're just gonna play it out before they'd even drawn their opening hands because the play is so important and chris won two one they, they won their games on the play as they should what did you play i played painterless painter basically Oh, you tweeted what about that. Dragons. Well, dogs and dragons. I, I haven't really thought of a name. Um, Black, For- Black Forest Cake, because it's like Black Red Painter. That was uh, coined by Brendan McBain. 
So um Oh because all the potato decks are named after like like cakes. Yeah, so strawberry shortcake is like white and red, so it's um but yeah, black red is like black forest cakes, it's like black and stuff. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Um we can we can go into it like bit, a bit later, maybe but my current obsession is unearthing Phyrexian Dragon Engines. Oh, yeah. that works, right? One I mean, that's also cards. quite addictive, isn't it? Dude, <laughs> you get like a 2-2 double strike and recall. And then you like, you weld it in and out and you just keep recalling. It's so fucking cool. Oh my God. <laughs> and you're so playing four copies of each, right? Yes, yeah. You know what? We're actually going to link the decklist in the show notes because it's like so crazy. You, you also have that one card in there that I never know what it actually does. It does like loot or something. Oh, Scrap Heap Mutt. Hell yeah. So this card is brilliant. It's it's a two mana, two one. When it ETBs, you can discard a card. And if you do, you draw a card. And it has Unearth for one in the red. There we go. That's what it wait, is. Wait, that's it? That's <laughs> yeah. legacy playable? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's good. It's a, it's a really good role player. Like, you cast off your Ancient Tomb. But it's really funny whenever, like, I'll go, like, Ancient Tomb, tap it. And everyone's like, oh, no, something bad is going to happen. And I cast a Mutt. And you loot. <laughs> Like you, you cast the worst Yeah, but then I then I discard a Phyrexian Dragon Engine, play Lowe's Pedal, and unearth it. <laughs> Who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, okay. We can go into the list later. Um, but well, it's it's pretty cool. There's some cool stuff going on. Okay. One question about um, like your Magic Online experience in the morning. Like, do you think do you feel like you have a better um performance in this like super early in the morning or like rather like late in the evening? This is the first time I've woken up at five thirty and played Magic Online. Weirdly, so how was it? But I think I played better. Like I was awake and more focused. Like in the evenings, I've had a whole day of like brain activity, talking to people, and I get back and I kind of want to relax and I'm a bit distracted and I'm doing other things and got some housekeeping stuff to do usually. And yeah, I, I just very much like have Twitch on the side and I'm thinking of something else. And I just blah 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 my way through leagues. So I oh, think that's I, how I always play. I th <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> no, I definitely play very very fast and loose when I'm like after work in the evening. So. Yeah, I think oh, I, yeah, it, I, th I think yeah. it's a good point. I didn't even think of that Kai, but I think I probably right. played better. Cuz like yeah, cuz um I like I noticed when when I moved to Germany because like the um the ch uh, legacy challenge times they kind of they, they stay the same, right? But mm. when you when you change uh, when you ha have like such a big move from uh, from Asia to Europe, then all of a sudden like all those like times are also quite different and I used to play challenges at like starting at midnight for example until like 8 a.m. for example, right? Um, or like the the ones on Saturday, they fired at eight p.m. until like two a.m. ish oh, or three a.m. Wow. ish. Um, so I was and like, you I was the Boston time, right? So it went yeah, and, and <laughs> I gotta I gotta say, like I had a pretty I had a pretty decent win percentage during that time, and now I moved here, and I gotta say, like I haven't played many challenges uh, since I moved here, but um, the I, I I don't know what it is, but I feel like like late in the afternoon or like midday, I have I have like a pretty weak performance, yeah, like overall. Yeah, I totally feel that. You've also been hanging around with us more, so that's you're probably getting worse. Oh yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, no. It, jokes aside, I think I think you're totally right. Like right. if you don't have, I don't know, some something chipper to like kind of make keep you awake or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna move somewhere that uh, I'm gonna move to Japan so I can play challenges at midnight. Yeah, that's gonna be <laughs> that's not so wrong, dude. It's like it's all about those challenges, man. Like I, I like to imagine, like when when Callum is at the at the immigration thing and they're like, "Hello, why do you want to come to Japan? Oh, I want to play legacy challenges at midnight. I heard it's the best training camp. Like this yeah. is weird. Why come I'm, to Japan? 
Do you have a job sorted? Yeah, I'm going to make money off Magic Online. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Are you going to pay taxes on that? <laughs> I'm here to set my alarm at 11 p.m. <laughs> Just some death and taxes is dead. There's no taxes oh, here. <laughs> cool, cool. Guys, yeah. before we jump into the episode, do we want to go very quickly over a couple of listener questions? Yeah. Yes, let's go. Awesome. So let's start with... Actually, let's start with Alex C. Callum, would you be willing to share advice on organizing, advertising, and running community magic events? I think uh, we're all doing this, but out of the three of you, you've been doing this for the longest. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, I think I've said it a few times, like seven years now. Um, there's a few steps. Like the first one is getting a scene together. So the whole idea of starting the LLMs years ago was there just wasn't a, a tournament like a monthly tournament that was just weeklies in london and there was the demand already so we i skipped the step but if you have a community of people that like say they want these monthly tournaments then you should find this pretty easy if you don't building up a scene is incredibly hard i think and it it takes like six plus months of like really fighting to get people interested and getting a group together but for that for to get the group together first the main thing is making sure people know that if they arrive they're going to be able to play some legacy the worst thing is if you have like four or five people and then you have like a limit of you need eight to fire or something whatever and they turn up and then they don't get to play and then they go home so setting up like a kind of a weekly meetup at a pub or something to get things started and then from there you can run events um few few things for running the events is proxies obviously are a huge huge part of the success of all these grassroots events i think without them that's where you go into the land of like you actually need to have huge prizes to get people involved but i'm assuming you're talking about this because you're saying running community magic events so proxies allowed i think another really important thing is having an entry price that's in the middle of competitive and casual and what i mean by that is entry for the london ones are 15 pounds so that's enough money in the prize pot to like make people fight for it like first place is usually 150 to 180 pounds or something and but £15 is also not that much, so someone's not feeling bad about bringing a brew, bringing something a bit funny, or most importantly, getting new players involved. So if you're new to the format, you're not scared off by like a £30 entry fee or something. You're thinking mm. 15 for a day's entertainment, hopefully at least. Hopefully I can learn some things, have a good time. So yeah, finding that middle ground. So I guess $15, $20 if you're in the US, something around that I think so, makes sense to me. How does it work with prices? Do people just like get cash or cards? Yeah, so this is another thing that I only discovered just coming back after COVID and I didn't do in the past. So in the past, so I run them all completely non-profit and always have. So basically I have have uh, fees to cover for like the, the ticket sale website and stuff like that. And I give some money to the, the venue to help and things. But after that, everything goes back into the prize pool. And so I calculate that on the day based on the number of players there, which is quite easy to do. In the past, I used to buy cards and I used to estimate how many players would come and it was an absolute nightmare. But now I have a deal with Axion Now, who is a huge supporter of Legacy in the UK. And they are the biggest TOs as well. They have a shop, they sell singles. So I give credit for their store. So I could just give cash, but it, for me, I want to keep it all within the uk like you know legacy base supporting each other so actually now i've been a huge supporter of our london events they're friends i i, I love the people that run it um francois and liz they are like you know genuinely great people and help the uk scene so yeah i give out these uh coupons that are credit and the players just love it so if you can find like a local store it just helps them it, the players are happy with it and uh i don't know it just feeds off that 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing in, in Frising is people get cards, and we basically try to like estimate how like for I'm not directly involved with selecting the mm -hmm. prices, but from what I see the guys talking about, apparently like we have a pool that we select the cards from that people can win, and then part of it, uh, part of the entrance fee is redeemable by 100% for for the restaurant or the bar that we that we do it at. Uh, so you can get like drinks during the day. What I'm wondering is. When you when you get to like the smaller stuff, like I, I guess getting a coupon for let's say I don't know five euro is, is not as desirable as I don't know getting a five euro card almost. Yeah. Just because you you mm -hmm. spare yourself the trouble of like ordering it and and and. Yeah, and... I mean the prizes we have, so we get forty ish people, so it's just prizes for top eight. So there's always like it's basically thirty pounds, twenty five pounds minimum for the quarter finalists. So it's not it's not okay. like very very small. Yeah, I think if if you get if you're winning like a five euro card, I think it's kind of. I would just put that into top eight and make it a little bit more top heavy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like, I don't aim for top heavy, but I feel like everyone that's winning a prize should feel like, oh, I'm. This is cool that I won this, rather than like a, a smaller right, thing. Right, right. But, but I did do cards as prizes for like, yeah, four years or something, and it's it's so much work, and I think the players massively prefer credit in my experience now. Okay. Just, just because most of the players would just go and sell the cards, and it's extra work for them because to buy things that they exactly want. True, true. So, that's that's the other way around, right? Yeah. If, so if we, you have cards that they don't want, then they have to yeah. get rid of them. Yeah. Exactly. It's more work for them. It's more work for the organizers trying to like you know estimate how new players and stuff are coming. And then the cool thing with these credit is they're not going to expire. The actually now are working with us. Um, so if there's any problems, they just talk to the, the players. And we've got some people that are like saving up all their prizes to buy a jewel land at the end. So, oh, okay. That so you can really. So we used to give jewel lands as prizes. Oh, back in the day, we had like underground season vaults for first and stuff but those prices are long gone but yeah. the idea now, now we can get like a water grade maybe <laughs> yeah so the <laughs> the idea is people can build towards big things if they want to otherwise they can buy all the smaller stuff like very often you'll see someone win and then you know they'll have their their endurances for next time that they're proxying or something like that it, awesome i think Easy. that really works okay and otherwise i do run them like also in my made up made up rules enforcement level i just call it like comp casual or whatever so uh, rules enforcement level <laughs> yeah this this sounds dodgy but it, we've not had any problems basically i i'm the judge and i've never been a judge in my life but i know the rules well enough any judges that are there i ask them for help if it comes up and i i use my phone and google a lot but basically i kind of whenever there's a situation arises i try and rule in the the most fair way, which I know judges are meant to do anyway, but I just talk to both the players and say, look, does this solution sound good to both of you? And um, mm -hmm. sometimes I I try and not have harsh harsher penalties that would happen at other events because I just don't believe anyone would so be what's there the harshest pen what's the harshest penalty you've ever given out? Nothing. Um, I've, wow. I've not had that any problems. Easy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. Like I, the other, the thing that's easy is I know basically everyone apart from the people that are coming for the first time. Okay. Then I'll meet them over time. But at this point, I know almost I know ninety nine percent of the people that come to them, and I talk to them. They're all so. Yeah, I can yeah. confirm that from all the tournaments I've been to at etc., which has been going on for one and a half, almost two years. Longer actually, we started before COVID, so I guess there was a break. Uh, I don't remember any judge call that left anybody like feeling bad. Uh, the only thing that that somebody disliked was that we had the sudden death rule for the invitational. I guess we oh, can yeah. quickly touch on that. That's the only time I ever saw somebody angry. Mm -hmm. um, I've, but... I've I've had one judge call that was a bad bad feeling in the mouth afterwards, 
and I just had to go. It was a he said, she said of when the timer stopped and I had to go and like stop the clock and then oh. come over. And it was a he said, she said, and it was one person was winning um, or the other person was going to get a draw. And I went with my instinct based on what I believed from the players. And uh, It's kind of funny, like with extra right. turns, it's always in your interest to pass the turn as quickly as possible because that means you get the extra turn, like you get three extra turns as opposed to your opponent two, I yeah. guess, kind of. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, otherwise, I, th I think I think the main thing is also just talking to the players there. Like if you set up a magic event, a legacy, one of these kind of events, run the first one or two and just, you know, talk to the people and say, like, look, was this good? What would you what would yeah. you like differently? Um, but also, since you're in the Discord, please do tag me and say, like, you can, you can ask me for some more yeah. in-depth Especially advice. when it comes to advertising, right? Because that's the part we haven't touched on yet. Yeah. Uh, quickly, how, how, how do you do it? Uh, do you just, like, put them on Facebook? Oh, yeah. So we have a Facebook group, which used to be, like, just for the southern part of England. So people would find out, mostly London-based, to be honest. And I we would just post. It started with me and two other friends, and we would just post in there all the details. And I used to do all the tickets ad hoc. I'd have everyone messaging me on Facebook and stuff. Now we've got a ticketing website and stuff. But yeah, that, it was just there. It was just contained there. We barely had to advertise because word of mouth has really carried it. So the first few events, mm -hmm. we had like 20, 25 people um, in a pub on Sundays. And it just stayed like that. Like once you get like a good group, you don't need to push and push and like really hound people to come because if the events are fun and people have a good time, yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna come back, and the word of mouth, they'll be like, "Look, this is really cool. Come along." Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Also, like, um, one one thing I do, for example, are like, um, our Google polls and like Google surveys. They're like like small polls you you can make, and then I usually copy paste those polls in in our WhatsApp group, our uh, Berlin Legacy WhatsApp group, where mm -hmm. like simple things like, "Hey, um, I know that we we play on thir every week on Thursday night, um, starting at seven. Um, if we exceed more than seventeen players, we are supposed to play five rounds, but that would mean that the event ends at midnight. Like, do you really, guys? Do do you want to do that, <laughs> yeah. or do we want to like, cut down to like four rounds, no matter what? You know, things like that, or like the price structure, because I also. Uh, had like the same 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 thing as you guys like i started with single cards like i, I bought like so many engine explosives and blood <laughs> and, like all those like all those like, uh, like quote unquote playables right like yeah, yeah. situations and drcs and whatnot and tried to like distribute them but then you're like it, it looks really nice right on mm -hmm. the photo like if everyone's like holding like a, like a decent looking card but then like no one really uses them anyway. no it, it so, doesn't uh, it, it's also really hard to make things fit the price structure that you think the players want as well like god i gave away so many liliana the last hopes like it's crazy because they, they <laughs> were like surprising like, I they, they were like wrong. around 30 pounds and that was like the perfect quarterfinal prize yeah. uh, i think the guys like, like, they have some kind of algorithm or something i could be wrong but i think they have mm -hmm. something set up that almost automatically selects the cards which is i, I would really recommend up. them inquiring with like a, a reseller a card, a card trader seeing oh, about absolutely. credit because they yeah. might be able to give you more credit as well for the prizes like so. imagine if you buy like so many singles and like like you know like you're sitting on like 20 copies of lurus and then 10 <laughs> copies of random random six <laughs> like do they're uh, kind of banned huh? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah cool and uh, one thing i want to add for advertising i remember when when i still only like played local events and that's anything i ever did like for me the coolest thing was to get my name out there Right when I got a top eight and then it was actually posted and what we do for etc. For example, is I when I'm there, I always try to take pictures of the people and then we post the pictures on the on the Twitter account and everything. So that that's kind of cool, especially if, if people care about hey hey I I've been top eighting this every single time. So 
my name is getting out there. I don't know how much people care about that. I remember I cared about this big time when I started. Yeah, uh, me too, so, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Alex, hopefully that answered the question. But as I said, feel free to just post in the Discord or message any of us. Like, I mean, I guess just post there with any more more detailed questions because I'm very happy cool. to help and support. Cool. We, we are already touching on like our experiences touching uh, stuff. And we got a question from Prosokin. <laughs> Kai, could you tell us about your pathetic church experience from when you were a level one church? Yeah. Do you remember that? I think you t you touched on that. Sorry, when you after like right after you went to Japan and you started churching events at, at the game store that you worked at, exactly. you mentioned that you had an absolutely pathetic experience as a church, and apparently Chad wants to go deeper on this. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> thank you so much for the question. Like, I almost forgot about this uh, about this story because like it, it is so embarrassing. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. So uh, it was in 2014, a few weeks, months before I decided to move to Japan uh, to start at the um, at a local game store called Tokyo MTG, and I wanted to hire up my chances and be like, hey, you know, guys, I I can I can do literally anything for the store. So I wanted to like also become a level one judge to you know help support the the um, the local event right and um so uh, i found a level two judge in berlin and uh she gave me like this big stack of like magic the gathering rules and i knew a few of them but um back in the day i was a ad nauseum tedros player so i didn't know shit about combat right so i had to like read like whole all those like paragraphs to like um to like fully understand like how combat works and guys, like, guys, have like, you have you seen this? There's first strike combat damage. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, it is <laughs> it is crazy. Like, like when I when I read that like a GT on Thalia and in mid combat and then or like Ooh. a Frexen Crusader or what what have you, dude, that just blew my mind. It's like I never want to do combat in my life like ever again because this is this just it's just really <laughs> it's bad, right? So like yeah, but generally speaking though, um, if you are so, uh, if you play a lot a lot of Magic and with a lot, I mean like you know, like two, three times per week, um, you are already kind of level one. Um, unless unless there are like crazy questions, like, I don't know, I have Chains of Mephistopheles and the other guy has like Civil Library or some some shit like that, right? Um, you, should be, you should be good. So um, I took that level one test and I, I barely, I barely made it. Uh, I think you, you have to hit like 90%. You have to be like 90% correct to your... Uh, to pass and I had like 91 or something like that. It was it was kind of close. <laughs> uh, I, I got that. I was like, hey guys, so I, I have actually never judged an event, but but here I am in, in Tokyo, um, ready to, to take down the first uh, Friday Night Magic. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? It's, yeah, it's like, dude, I mean, you know, I did, I was, because I was highly motivated. I was highly motivated. And obviously if you start um, working in a, a new company, you can't say no, right? So, so I was like, hey, Friday Night Magic sounds good to me, and uh, there were only like eight players or so, like eight, maybe ten, playing standard, and that was right after the Ther um, Theros block. So it was like Count of Ta I think it was like Count of Takir, Fate, Fate Reforged, back in the day. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, uh, something like that. It was like early spring 2015, and basically I was there. There was like another. Uh, there was my Japanese colleague who was the quarter block head judge for the event. I was I was the noob. And uh, I was like kind of like carefully watching him while he was doing like all these um, announcements in Japanese, which I thought were quite, yeah, exotic. Cause um, like all all these, man, Japan has like way too many rules for everything. Really, like <laughs> all those like judge announcements. I remember like back in back in uh, in Germany, like they just said whatever, right? Like 
the, the head judge makes like some some random comment, and then you know, and then like everyone's gonna like like ready has, set go. Yeah, it's like it has has the has the time already like started. Uh, I believe so. Okay, well I, I guess we play right that kind of like mentality in Japan. It's like super super strict, and um and all those announcements were like all like set in stone kind of. Let's give us an example. Like, what do they tell you in Japan oh, that you never hear like, outside of it? In Japanese or like translated in? I take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is basically like, hey, welcome players. Um, please make sure to uh, to um, present your 15 sideboard cards to the opponent. Like, obviously face down and like make sure to to properly shuffle up your deck. Like, like all these like unnecessary things you um you might wanna think right like. Yeah, but you know, they, they I, I like the idea of you those. doing that. Like, you, you come to Japan, you're like, okay, guys, uh, what like, about you just start now? Go. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say the magic words. <laughs> like, what Like what if you just never say anything and, like, you know, just wait for them to start and <laughs> see, what ha- see what happens. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, during the event, um, the, the head judge had to also take a break. And that was, like, the, that was like a half an hour where I was fully in charge of that Friday night magic. And um, not only did I fuck up the um, the next announcements, cause cause I think I fo- I I was supposed to like announce the prices, I think, which I didn't do, and um, a couple other things. And well, and then there was obviously a judge call, and yeah, I went there, and then the one guy he was he played like an Esper mid range or control deck in with like a couple of like dragons in it, I think like Silumgar and shit like that and uh his opponent played like an like a reddish aggro deck i didn't know any of those cards these are like the I, two main decks of that standard dude, dude <laughs> and i did not understand a single word that came out of the out, out of his mouth not a single word <laughs> wait do you, like how do you get yourself in this position you nitwit? <laughs> so i was i was like i was standing there but I, I, you, you can't, you can't, you can't tell them that. You, I, I just don't. I, I, I don't get it. You can't say that, right? So, so like, I did, acted. Did, did you understand like the the, the uh, dialect or, or or like the cards? No, no, no. About? So, no. So my my Japanese is like a Japanese of a five year old, right? Because like I, so I, so, I, so that sounds so bad though. Like because I was born in Japan. And uh, when I was five, my family and I, like, we, we, we all moved to Germany. So I went to a German school. I, I never went to a Japanese school. So my Japanese literally, like, the Japanese of a five-year-old <laughs> with a little bit of magic keywords. I have cards. I turn it around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, then there's, like, the, the super ridiculous judge question. And, like... Oh man, like a couple of those keywords are, are kind of similar to English because, like, for example, trample is trampere, or like, oh, dude, I'm loving it. Um, you know, or like, like first strike is faster striker. Oh, like, 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 some of those keywords are like, you know, somewhat similar, but other ones are completely different. And again, like, I, and I didn't, I really didn't want to like fuck up my, my job, right? Because it was like, it was the first week at Tokyo DG, and I, was, I, I had to act super smart. I was like, hey. So, uh, so you were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I was you... like, I, so I, so I was like, yeah. Listen carefully. Um, so, uh, since I don't know the answer, uh, what do you think, opponent? Did you ask the opponent so, for the ruling? Yeah. So I, so I asked the opponent, and the opponent said something, and like he acted kind of confident. Like I also didn't understand what he said, but he acted kind of like his face, like his, he was kind of like sitting upright, you know, like he had like a kind of serious. Uh, you know what this you know, reminds me of? This appearance. reminds me of like when, when, when in like some movie somebody fakes their way into being a doctor 
and then all of a sudden somebody gets actually ill and, and they have to treat them and then like, they are talking to like the assistants like it's like hmm, yeah well, so what, so do, what you do, do you propose yeah. <laughs> oh, okay let's go with that <laughs> and that's exactly what happened yeah i just said yeah what what he said <laughs> and, then, and then like and then i found and, and then i tried to find the shittiest excuse to also take my break asap <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds pretty oh, pathetic not gonna yeah. lie um i never judged a magic event after that oh that was the only time that was the only <laughs> that was the only event i judged so I they, ever they judged. never put you in charge again or, or did you actively have to ask for it um i refused to because oh. <laughs> whoa I, that, 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 was, that was yeah that, and that was like a three round no one really cares uh fnm standard in early 2015 You'll always be my favorite judge. Don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, thank you. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. This is perfect. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea of asking the opponent. What should we do? Okay, let's do that. <laughs> Pro, Tour, <laughs> Pro Tour Top 8 finals. And they're like, uh, what, what do you think, opponent? Should he be able to go back and block? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Me neither. Fair. Perfect. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's pretty pathetic. Not gonna lie. Okay, yeah. okay. Nice. I, in the future, I'm gonna hear more uh, Kai at, on his first week on the chop stories because this sounds actually hilarious. Kai, you can come over and judge an LLM sometime. I, oh, I yeah. really, yeah, I really should. <laughs> Guest judge Kai. Yeah. <laughs> judge, judge, you, you know, um, a friend of mine is, uh, is a real judge, like not magic judge, and he told me they they have some like exchange programs where German judges are being sent to Mongolia and Mongolian judges are being sent to Germany and. I don't know what exactly you do there, like because like the law is different, but that there must be something. There's there's like a mm. yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Mm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I guess like you know, depending on the country, maybe some judges are like in some countries you that people are more like harsh, maybe or um or people are more like maybe a little softer with the rules, maybe that's that's possible. Like sometimes, like when you go to like international GPS, uh, doesn't matter which format. Like I always feel like uh, Asian judges are a little softer. I feel. Oh really? Yeah, I, yeah, they like, always uh, ask the opponent, right? They... <laughs> <laughs> How do you think? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so before I move on, we have one more question that uh, could be in its entire episode. So I say we just like go quickly over what Thrifts has asked. And that is, what is your biggest level up moment with a deck you had already played for a long time? So a big improvement you made uh, to your play with the deck that even after you thought you understood it quite well. Is there anything that comes to mind for you guys? I've got a really good example, actually. Um, I've got a moment with a deck that I played for a while in a game that I realized what I was doing and I felt like just understanding the position I was in really made me a better player from that moment on. So it was with Shadow of the Spug and I'd played it for a long time before then and I was playing against like classic Rug Delver with Stifle and stuff. And I was still not a great player at all by any means. I was still learning lots of things. But there was, I remember very, very vividly, I had, I kept a hand of like five lands and like a removal spell and a force or something. But I was like, great, I've got five lands against the Stifle Wasteland deck. This is really good. So, but I also then realized like, what if he just plays a Delver? <laughs> I'm in a lot of trouble because I don't have anything going on. Maybe I didn't even have a removal spell. So they went like fetch pass and they're look, and I'm thinking, okay, they're looking to Stifle me. And I think I had like two jewels and two fetches. And at that moment, I realized oh my god, I can Richard import them. I can play a fetch rather than a duel, even though I'm flooded, because me playing a fetch makes them keep up the stifle because it's something that's stifable. So I managed mm. to like prolong the game for a very long time 
And that made me realize the power of hidden information, understanding decks of the format. So that's that's an example oh, yeah. for me that was like a really big level up. If you know your opponent's deck and game plan, like from the get-go, you can make... So for me there, playing the fetch rather than a duel probably made them not play a threat turn two, for example. And it just prolonged the game, let me draw into removal and better cards and stuff. So that was a nice... I, I've always remembered this moment like years ago. That's, oh, yeah. that's me. I, lo- I love the I love those games, man. Like mm-hmm. where like it's a lot of like mind gaming going on. Exactly. It, it, all, all it boiled down to was which lands to play first, but it was enticing your opponent into thinking they're in a different position than they are, just with with nothing else than a land drop. It's quite that's the kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I I got like something similar to like um I think the moment where when I realized that you should more often like in a, in a temple mirror, uh, at least back in the day like um mo- um. D- like casting spells on your opponent's upkeeps uh, is, is quite powerful. Like, um, obviously, like, you know, activating Wastelands too, but also casting, like, I, I started to, like, cast Brainstorms, for example, more often in opponent's turns. And and even though they had Power Blast, like, they, sometimes they would not Power Blast my Brainstorm because they wanted to go to the main phase and, like, do something else, maybe. Like, they were too afraid of, like, tapping out um, to, to Power Blast my Brainstorm. Yeah, definitely. Using every phase is a... A really important thing like when you understand this is why i love magic online because you see all the phases in front of you like another one that is often misunderstood unless you know the deck well is being able to untap knight of the rickery at the end of after damage at the end of the combat step like it's end of combat is not a very used combat step but understanding the whole turn process can give you a lot of nice little angles like that as well oh yeah so for me, I, I guess I could pick better ones that that's depend on the deck uh, that are not as spectacular. One of the coolest moments that happened to me was when I was playing Maverick against High Tide, and that is understanding how to play against Wipe Away. And I guess most Maverick players know this, and I've even like later seen it on on SCG. I think uh, Checo Kobe, co-founder of Everyday Journal, did it on stream, which was so cool because I had figured it out shortly before as well. And that is when you know your opponent has Wipe Away, right? And sometimes you do because they, they're cutting Wish for it. And those who don't know, Wipe Away is a bounce spell with split second. And you are playing Maverick. Your main goal is to get Gadok Teak down and protect it with Mother of Runes. So they cannot go into, let's say, Time Sparrow on their turn. So what would happen in most games is you go to your end step, they wipe away your Gadok Teak, and you're fucked, right? They untap, they kill you. So I was sitting there and I was thinking, what can I do? And I, I discarded most of the lines that like a stupid like wastelanding yourself and stuff that never gets there and but then for for one moment i was thinking about what if i activated mother of runes on my main phase to give protection to gadok teak and usually like you, you wouldn't do that right because you know you it's so hard coded into your brain that you do it in response to remove a spell so you gain card advantage yada yada they need a second remover spell whatever but i i thought about it i didn't immediately discard the line i thought it to the end and i was okay i give protection to gadok like straight up in my main phase he can respond with a wipe away if he wants to, but then a replay Gadok, and then Gadok is going to be around on his turn. Oh, or if he lets Mother of Runes resolve, I just name blue, and he cannot bounce it at the end step. So he has to go into his turn, and then if he wants to bounce it on his turn for three mana, that's just like messes up his mana big time as well. So yeah, the, you could really tell like the opponent was like feeling, hey, wh- why is he activating the Mother of Runes in the main phase? And then they think it through, and they're like, oh, this is. This is bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess the, the level up moment in that regard is I I, all, I almost don't discount any lines. Like, I at least try to see the variation of it, like, one step deeper. 
uh, before I throw them away. Even even if I feel like they are stupid, that's why I guess on stream people sometimes let me think about like stupid stuff. And and sometimes you know it's just like makes for a really cool place. Like that's that. cool. It took me a second to kind of work out what you were doing as well. So it's very much not an intuitive line. I think the lesson there is don't autopilot also unless it's your autopilot that you've learned yourself in a way um yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the way you describe it there's better like you know i i don't think i would have thought that when you were saying it i was trying to i was thinking of um if i'm playing lands you can use grove to trigger a punishing fire to protect things from sur um like surgical surgical yeah or you can it was a split second effects yeah, it drags like a split second as well. This right? is it. This is it. Mm. You you uh, play a Crows and Grip, and then you activate Grove, and they don't get to surgical it. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting lost in the source. <laughs> there's some weird, there's some weird stuff with that. Oh, oh, that's actually really smart, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You put so Crows and Grip on the stack, and then you return it to your hand, and they can't because otherwise they could like respawn surgical it. Yeah, that's 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 basically similar principle to yeah. when before countering past on flames, you put a fetch line activation on the stack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of that. Yeah. Magic is oh, weird. The, there are yeah, so many, so many sweet creative plays and legacy, yeah. and even more so when they actually work out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So yeah, uh, we have, we had a pretty long intro sequence. Uh, we know Kai has to go. He's got a, a late night date in Berlin doing something special. We don't know actually. But Kai, before <laughs> you have to leave us and and go deep into the the Berlin underground. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Japan? You already talked about how there are so many lessons to be learned about going to Japan. Always be eating is probably one of the yeah, most important ones. I, I think there is like um, there was like the rule number one is always keep eating. Always keep eating. Um, it is such a simple rule, but like now that I know how um, boring German food can be, you don't be, really look look like you follow it. Uh I gained a little bit of weight. Like, like and, <laughs> well, like how? I mean, how much can you possibly gain in like two weeks, right? Okay. Well, uh, I did. Well, I literally, I had like four, sometimes like up to four meals per day, and and like it, like everything I had, but like all I all I was thinking was like, okay, so how how fair or like how what's the earliest time for for breakfast so I can have like more time in the day to to eat like early lunch late lunch it's like <laughs> almost like a hobbit kind of right it's like <laughs> i just i just kept i just kept eating because everything is so delicious and also cheap at the same time you posted some pictures on the on your food channel on i think the summer food channel oh yeah Dude, oh yeah holy shit like you, you had some insane stuff there yeah absolutely like i mean seafood is just absolute over the top but also like meat and like how they're always like small smaller portions but you kind of start like appreciating the, the food a little more if it's not like a truckload of food on on the on the plate, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also like eating um, like four times per day makes you like happy four times. So uh, it's, that's all. <laughs> that's what you got. So so you literally you had breakfast, you had early lunch, late lunch, yeah. and, and dinner. Exactly, but I I try to not like um eat like as much as I can, but only like. Set up to 70 80 percent so i was i was like never like really full mm -hmm. but i kept like the 70 80 percent like throughout the whole day so uh you shouldn't really like do this like uh, on a day-to-day -day basis but <laughs> i like the disclaimer that you put there <laughs> so, um, so when you say you were eating right like did you eat out at restaurants most of the time uh yeah kind of but what i did this time was like i didn't travel at all so i went back <laughs> just to just getting better, better like you're just yeah. sitting there like food is coming into your mouth like every couple of hours <laughs> you don't move you just like, play I, magic I, and eat like, what i'm saying is like I, I went to the same i went to like the places i knew 
uh, with friends I knew, and like I didn't do any new experiments whatsoever. So like the two and a half weeks were basically like an episode of um like me of of the past eight years when I when I stayed there. So um and and that was the that was the good part because like um so I messaged my friends on uh, online. That's like the, the equivalent to WhatsApp in Japan. I was like, hey guys, uh, I'm I'm here. You know, do you want to hang out tomorrow or like the day after? I was like, yeah, sure. Oh, same place, same time. Yeah, and uh, that was literally the whole conversation. And then we met there. At first half an hour, like you obviously you talk about like you know like um, the what the last nine months, ten months, like what happened, you know what happened in Germany, yada yada yada. And then it's like kind of back to normal. And then we talk about like the, the things we used to talk about, right? And and that's that's exactly what I needed. It's like it's like kind of like a second home. And Dude, uh, you, you almost make me nostalgic for it, even though I haven't even been there. Yeah, it is so good though because you don't have to do any stupid research on on, on any like good restaurants or anything like that because you all you already know all the all the places that's so good it, it like it saves you a lot like stress time and and you can focus like on on, on the real shit like winning magic legacy. like magic <laughs> 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 um because i also went to a lot I, to the majority of all like all stores in tokyo and there are way too many stores in tokyo um i think i went to more than 20 different stores it's so crazy to me that you tell me there's 20 different stores in tokyo like yeah. there's not twenty different. Maybe there's twenty different stores in southern Bavaria, uh, southern Germany, even. But right. Like all like, in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a lot of them are in the, in the same area. Maybe you guys have heard of Akihabara. That's of like course, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the electric town city district. That, that's in where Tokyo. you go when you buy like anime merchandise oh, yeah. and everything. Right, robot yeah. cafes, maid cafes, all all that kind Did, of nonsense. Have you ever been to a maid cafe? Is it really uh, as creepy as they say? It is cringe as fuck, dude. Oh, cringe? Okay. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they put, like, bunny ears on you, and, like, they, they start singing, and, like, and they, they tell you how cute you are. Do you not love that? I mean, that's... 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 I think it's <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, once per decade, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of... I, I needed that after that Josh question, I think. I really I really needed some bunny ears. <laughs> Dude, I, I would love to, like, if you had Instagram back then, you just, like, posted a picture, mm -hmm. you completely wasted in a maid cafe, and you have some bunny ears on you, and you're like, this was the worst day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> in the background, just, there's, like, two girls smiling. Kawaii! We, we find Kai crying next to the toilet with bunny ears on. <laughs> what, what happened? Did they ask me a judge question? <laughs> I didn't know any of the words. <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> that's um, great. Yeah. Cool. But other yeah. than that, there was um, there was also I was fortunate enough to um, to also uh, be there while there was the the God of Legacy. Um, I think we, we touched on that topic like you know many many times already. But mm -hmm. uh, it happens four times per year, similar to four seasons in Bologna in Italy. Um, it, it is like a quarter a year um, Legacy tournament. Uh, we had hundred eighty seven players this time, and um, like they. Yeah, like the, there's no fixed fixed date for um for the tournament, unfortunately, because like I had to book my flight like three months in advance, and yes, I can book flights, uh, but they <laughs> um they made the announcement for the God of Legacy like a month prior, so I was basically just fortunate um enough to to be there on time. Oh, it was just by chance, kind of. It was kind of just by chance, and 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 I I'm pretty good friends with like the um with the judges there. And I uh, asked them, yeah, no, is there like anything they can do or like I can do to um to make it you know possible for the for the future, right? Because I wanna mm -hmm. I wanna attend Japan like at least once per year, and uh, I kind of dig those um God of Legacy tournaments. So um, but yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's it's not it's not as easy as I thought because they're gonna schedule it like based also on the schedule of the current God, 
and if if he or she is also oh. available or in town or whatever right it is yeah it's not as easy so um but anyway um i dropped out anyway so um i i went like four four uh in the what main did you event play? Did i play I played Doomsday, and I think it was a big mistake. I should have played Cephalic Breakfast. <laughs> did you play, did you play Gloom? No. No. I played three copies of Subtlety, dude. I mean, that's the same <laughs> shit. That's imagine how no? much better Gloom would have been. Yeah. Like turn on Gloom, GG. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you should listen to your co-host seriously. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't taste the disappointment in, in Callum's voice. <laughs> I'm so upset you didn't just register four main deck glooms and be like... Oh, main deck glooms? <laughs> yeah, get to the well, next yeah, level. Yeah, because you play the painters as well, like Julian suggested. Oh, God. You yeah, yeah. better get used to it now. <laughs> but did you have a great time at the event? Or, or... I did. I did. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think like um, at this event specifically, I was a little distracted the whole day because um, I met too many um, legacy friends, um, you know, like after almost like 10 months in between rounds and it was like i was i was more focused on like the on talks between rounds rather than the games themselves maybe you guys can kind of relate if you yeah. go to like a big <laughs> tournament and you, it's kind of more about the people and not about the game almost mm. that's what he says and after losing if you won yeah <laughs> i mean I, I already like yeah well i already started oh one i like i i had my first mulligan <clears throat> to three cards i think in a year oh shit okay. uh, and all uh, not not because like i i was uh kind of tilted or whatever but because i literally didn't hit any lands for um until i had the mulligan to three and that and that point i kind of knew well you know maybe today is more like a you know i'm probably supposed to talk more maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's fair oh, that's you already kind of like gave up on the inside i kind of i kind of did i kinda like did. i just here for the experience i mean i yeah. can get that right I guess that's fair, you know, that's fair. Um, but what what uh, what's really huge um, was that a lot of pe a lot of my friends in Japan they knew about the European Legacy Masters. That oh, was cool. I was oh yeah, that was pretty cool. Like um, I don't think they they fully they fully know what it really is, but it sounds pretty cool. Doesn't matter. And, See, that that's the marketing thing. Like it does, you don't even need to understand it if you push it correctly. Like, nobody knows how the Super Bowl works or the NBA playoffs or something, but people know, oh, you won the thing? Amazing. Like, I watch NFL, I don't even know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, European yeah. Legacy Master, that's a yeah, thing. Like, like, yeah, you top hated that shit. Ex exactly. And, but, but for them, like, for, for my Japanese friends, like, they, they thought that this is, like, some 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 kind of GP or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thought, yeah, 2000, yeah, it was close to 2,000 players, yes. <laughs> yeah, <pr> <laughs> I mean, if we count the bingo players from the previous day in the same place, like... Dude, oh, dude, 100%. We, yeah, we could break 2,000 easily. <laughs> Biggest bingo tournament in the West. I wonder how big bingo actually is in, in Japan. Uh, I, I can't... I, I don't think the bingo is a big thing, but there are other other games such as um, uh, Go, Go oh, for example. Yeah, slightly more cerebral Go compared to yeah. bingo. <laughs> Similar games. Yeah. Same thing, same thing. Maybe awesome. maybe there's a deep mind AI that like plays bingo really yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, Kai, do you actually know who who is the next god of legacy? Yeah. So um the uh I I watched the um the god challenge and it was um the current god and played Brewer Delva with um a little more graveyard hate um mm -hmm. I think like three copies of surgical or something something like that. And then and the um, the God uh, contender challenger uh, was on four color Yorian and he took it down. Wow! Like that Conquering deck, like God. four four. It was it was basically Anorak Dash Dot deck. It was mm -hmm. 
basically Anorak's F75, I think. And that deck is, holy moly, that deck is so, so good against Delver. I'm literally now, it's got full I'm, carpet sideboard. It is so much removal. I'm How looking can... at the deck list right now. Is that Kyoto Katsuyuki? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Dude, there's three copies of Stifle in the main deck. Yeah. Anorak. <laughs> yeah. Anorak did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, there was like an NREC thing um, to stifle initiative, to stifle uh, Uro, obviously. Yeah, like, you know, Oracle. Oracle also, and also just like kind of get ahead on, on mana. Like, oh, did you guys see that? It's did also amazing against things? like Fiendalsen and Elvish Reclaimer and Painter, honestly, as well. Like, Stifle's yeah. just good, I think. It's a great yeah. call. I feel like, all, like every single creature in Legacy has like an activated or triggered ability, I feel like. Yeah. At this point. They Except Mogtite. <laughs> oh no, actually, yeah. even Mogtite has a triggered ability. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. Dude. So there's a new garden town. There's a new garden town, and it is a little easier now. Oh, man, I, guys, one one last thing though. I, I have to tell you about this like super crazy tech that happened uh, okay. during that match because I've that that's like something I've I've almost never seen before. Um, so ob the, obviously the, the, their current god, um, Takano Shigeki, he was in blue at Delva and he knew that he he's the underdog in this matchup against Four Color Yorian. And what he did is he sided out all copies of Delva of Secrets and a couple of bolts of things like that and basically tried to out-control the Yorian player. And that And that actually worked in game in, in one of the post-board games. And it was it was beyond ridiculous because I've never seen something like that. It was like... The Yorian, because what ended up happening is that the Yorian um, player had a lot of expressive feature, uh, no, what's it called? Prismatic endings and sword to plowshares and like all those white removal spells ready to, you know, be cast on early Delvers, but there were no creatures until turn 10. And like purposely, like in, in Takano Shigeki, purposely brainstormed back all his um, Dragon's Ray channelers and Murktide Regent and focused more on counterbalance and um, basically like non creature threats. And, ex and chaining exp and as many expressive iterations into into more as possible. And then, and then, then like Mystic Sanctuary days, Mystic Sanctuary and stuff. Exactly, exactly. And at one point, like the, um, the, the, the Delva player has like all counters in hand and probably a counterbalance. And the Yorian player has all white removal spells and, and, and endurance, which cannot really be played because like obviously he's play um, he's waiting for that ambush viper moment mm -hmm. so it was it was really really this, interesting to see and, this is amazing uh, you know what re that reminds me of that reminds me of when we uh, was was ragavan still around i don't remember but with the blue red <laughs> or or uh Cheskai deck, you would sometimes put yourself into similar situations and the one card from the control side for example Cheskai control which was bigger back then that would always break that um, that that point because you were sitting there with like a bunch of red blasts and forests and stuff, and they would eventually have that that flash planeswalker. I don't remember. Is, is it what's it called? Wandering Emperor. Wandering Emperor, exactly. And I was sitting there with like pyroblasts and fluster storms and everything in my in my Delva control deck, and that was always the card that would break it for me and that made it so much harder. I think I, I think not everyone forces. played that, but what I loved from that era was JPA. I think's tech of beating miracles with uh, Torment's Crypt. He would force of negation and treat the angels and Tormod's crypt them and just Wait, them. <laughs> that just feels so blunt. <laughs> no, no. He he said he used his whole game plan as like Jeskai Delva with Lurus was to just deck the miracles players. Dude, I've see see I, oh, I wow. keep talking about that. I keep talking about how you sometimes even with elves and with Painter even more so sometimes you do that and, and yeah, uh, the control he, players he, are always like eh, that never really happens. Like yeah, no, no. He said it happened all the time. He would basically. 
because because they had like multiple mystic sanctuaries they'd try and rebuy the entreat and he would like fight heavily over force of negationing it so it exiled or he would just leave tormods and crypts in play until he can exile it and then maybe they played two but he would he'd basically just just fight over that let all the card advantage resolve and just beat that Oh, yeah. such a smart man. That is that's incredible. Really. Yeah, so similar idea, really. Um, if yeah. you have this macro game plan and you and you think it's good enough to do it, then you can just concentrate on that, and it's going to catch people by surprise as well. Absolutely. And oh, guys, amazing. guys, just one sec. I I gotta leave now. I'm sorry. You run? Okay. Yeah, okay. I have you to. Date. I have to. <laughs> cool. See you, awesome. man. See you, guy. Bye bye. <laughs> cool. Oh man. So too many tournaments, but I'm yeah. loving it, loving it. Kai is really, really into this, like like setting up a proper scene. Like, Berlin really deserves better. Yeah, it feels similar to, like, where London was years ago, where, you know, you've got all these kind of, like, almost there situations, but then you just need something to tie it all together and just get these monthly events plus or more running. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right, when you think about in Munich as well. Like, Munich is, like, what, 1.4 million people. But the, the legacy scene is actually in a, in a suburb in Freising, which has like 50k people or something. Okay. And now the, the et cetera thing, it's even expanding. I guess I can quickly talk about that. We we do this invitational, I think, once a year, even though the next one is in summer, which I, I still don't fully get. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's, it's supposed to be a qualifier for the European Legacy Masters, so we, we I guess we want to do it before it. And starting in the new season, starting in 2022, you can not only qualify for the Invitational by winning the etc. tournament, you can also qualify by winning the Ultra Comics events in Nuremberg or the Winner Duel in Tübingen, which is like another really big tournament series in southern Germany. And of course, at the BB Spiele in Rosenheim, which already used to be the case for the last couple of months. And if you win any of those events or you accumulate enough ELO points in uh, some kind of list that, that we are maintaining, then you can qualify for the next is it going to be 16 maybe we're going to expand it to 32 it's i guess it's going to depend on how many tournaments that's going to be but anyway you can qualify for the etc invitational and try to dethrone drumroll me oh my god <laughs> well tell us tell us how it went you played this recently right yeah i played this recently and I, I guess I'm going to quickly touch on the tournament format. So we didn't play a normal Swiss into top 8 uh, format because that would have taken too long. Uh, but we played a group stage system. So we had four groups of four each. And if you watch like any kind of StarCraft 1, StarCraft 2, you know how it works. First match, then the winners play, uh, the winner moves on. The losers play, the losers eliminated, and then the loser of the winner's match and the winner of the loser's match play, and the winner of that moves on. So basically, it's it's five matches guaranteed. You move into top eight, and then you have single elimination all the way to the top. So I played Mono Red Diver. Uh, Mono Red Diver. <laughs> Yo, what? <laughs> exactly. I too didn't tell us about it. Uh, no, I played Mono Red Painter. I was thinking beautiful. of playing... Yeah, I was thinking I'm playing the Black Splash and the the Chaos Defiler, right, that you've been talking about. I yeah. only got to play it once very briefly before because it's not on Magic Online yet. And you also told me you, you weren't sure about the mana base yet. And we had a deadline of submitting the decklist a couple of days ahead. So I was like, you know what, for the last six months I've been playing this and I've been crushing like crazy. Let's just go with the mono red version and, and let's get there. And that's what I yeah, said that is. That, that's fair. I, I'm convinced that Defiler is going to be like a staple in the deck. But as you said, like there's still uncertainties until we get to play it more. So that's totally fair. And well, it worked out. Yeah, it very much worked out. <laughs> so I started off in the first round against Doomsday and I actually ended up losing. I oh, mean, really? we talk about right how, how the matchup can be good, but sometimes you don't mm -hmm. always get there. I don't remember how I actually lost it. 
but probably in Warfare Quick Doomsday. And yeah. in the I mean, matchups yeah. are not 100% for a reason, right? Even if it's a 90-10, like you still lose 10% of the time. Exactly. And that exactly. deck is so powerful, so it can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure if it's like. It, it, yeah, it's not not ninety ten. Right? Oh, I'm not saying it's, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, it's ninety ten. I, I know you're not saying it's, no, just it's like it, so. fifty five, forty five, whatever. But I would yeah. say sixty forty or something. Yeah. Uh, I got to steal the second game. I think it was literally just turn one megas of the moon, and the opponent went to discard <laughs> like a couple of times, and then the game ended. And yeah. the third game, I got to disrupt them with a what was it? Surgical extraction post doomsday. And we eventually arrived at the game state where I think there were like two thirds to draw the card that they needed and one third to not draw it, and two thirds got there. Yeah. So I had to play the losers match against Blue Black Shadow, which also came down to a pretty critical situation in the third game, where I kept milling myself with Grindstone with an active welder because I really, really, really needed to find paint. It was practically the only way I was going to win. So I kept milling myself hard, like really hard. Every single time I could afford it, like mill yourself, mill yourself. Eventually he gets to kill Welder and I untap and I literally just rip paint down win. Hell yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, we play these combos in our deck to draw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have no bad feelings about that. I just yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, also, and I, I guess you do the same. I, I only really realized that I really want Negus of the Moon against uh, um, the Blue Black Shadow decks. Oh, it's, do the same? it's the best card. It just wins on the spot. The only way out of it after that is like they have to have their basic swamp if they play it, and like three other lands to hard cast the snuff out. Basically, it's yeah, or like at the rare case that they have fatal push or like an island brazen borrow or something. But yeah, it felt like it, it was insanely good. They really yeah. had to take care of it. So yeah, that's put me that that allowed me to advance in second place out of the group. Nice. In the quarterfinals, I played against Dragon Stompy. I got there. In the semifinals, I played against Dragon Stompy. I got there. <laughs> Anything <laughs> interesting in those matches? Um, well, basically the it, it wasn't even a hard call. It was pretty straightforward. I I was in a situation where I could keep up Pyroblast early on in the game. For, because the opponent was completely out of cards, they had put a bunch of stuff to the table, I furied everything away. Actually, no, I didn't fury, right? That, that was the thing. They had, let's say, Simeon Spirit. Oh, it was, no, they had Magos of the Moon and Rebel Master or something. I think that the second target wasn't that great. I think it was Rebel Master plus Simeon Spirit Guide. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to use my fury. I don't remember why, but I really didn't want to use it. And I also didn't want to keep a Pyroblast. It gets really weird from here. Like, what did I even want to do? <laughs> I, I think I was setting up for the kill next turn and needed the extra card. And the opponent was out of cards. They literally were hellbent. And I go through their decklist because the event was open decklist. And I go through their decklist in my mind. And I arrive at a single card that I really care about that they could have, and that's Fireflux Squad. And in case they find Fireflux Squad, I want to Fury the board away, right? So Fireflux Squad doesn't get to trigger by sacrificing a creature and mm -hmm. getting something. So I'm like, okay, it's a one-off. It's the only card I care about. And if I, for one turn, don't care about it, I can untap and win the next turn against almost anything. Yeah, they drew Fireflux Squad. <laughs> and Fireflux Squad found Fury, which, like, dismantled my board. <laughs> See, it's not 100%. You just gotta... You, gotta, you know, sometimes yeah. it was the right call. Like, it was funny to me because the yeah, moment yeah. he drew the card and he tapped the mana, I was like, this is Fireflux Squad. Dude, yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> like, he attacked so, sometimes you, if you know they have a one-outer, like, you just get that feeling. Like, before they even tap their mana, you're like, I know it's that. Like, you just, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much time you spend on like watching your opponent's eyes. I very much spend a lot of time watching their eyes. Yeah, definitely. During the draw step. Like, when they draw and their first look is like on your lands, you, you often feel like, is this wasteland? It could very much <laughs> yeah. be wasteland. This is, there's such, like the graveyard thing is sometimes like almost like, I don't know, not real. They, they try to 
throw you off. But when they draw something in the first look, it's your lands, it's almost wasteland. But yeah, in, in that case, uh, I, I eventually I got through. Uh, it's just, you know, Fury is insane. Fury in these matchups, mm-hmm. you have to talk about it, right? It's completely insane. Yeah. It's a Fury. Is... Whoever draws the most Furies and whoever like times them the best is just the matchup usually. Yeah, especially if you get to copy them later on, right? The Fable of the Mirror Breaker. That's, just, <laughs> yeah. that's always such a beating. Well, <coughs> the Fable should never live in... The... Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it really does. It really yeah. does. In the third game, we actually the semifinals and finals are gonna be on YouTube. Uh, I think what, cool. F- Finn of Magic, F Y N N, a German guy who does commentary. Uh, I, I'm not sure they're up yet, but they probably will be in February. And the semifinals were <laughs> kind of interesting. The opponents started like I had a turn to kill. I got the two soul lands, painter. And grindstone, and you know, you just like go turn one brainstone, turn two grindstone them, and there's not really much they can do. I love those free wins. Yeah, the thing is, he was on the play, and he had turn one Trini Sphere. Oh, I see. (laughs) Okay, Okay. which made things a little more complicated, especially since he followed up with, I believe, Magos of the Moon, which made my my Solens a lot worse. Oh yeah. But in the long run, I'm pretty sure that it actually hurt him more than did me. Like he he was almost caught on his own Trini Sphere and Magos (laughs) for for much harder times than I had been. But in the end, we I think the most critical situation was, it could have been the previous game, but I think it wasn't this one. He could kill one of my creatures, and he decided to get rid of the most random creature. I don't remember what it was. A Seeming Spirit oh, Guide. Oh, yeah, no, no. He, he got rid of the, what, what's it called, the token, the, the Goblin Shaman that Fable makes. Yeah, yeah. The and, but I also, I, exactly, and I had Breyer's Apprentice in play as well. Hmm. And Spray's Apprentice is the, is the card that completely won the, won the game from there. Like, the card watch was completely out of control. It eventually found a Fury that I really needed. And had he killed nice. Spray's Apprentice, because he furied. And he basically, he killed, I think, the, the Breyer's token. And then he could have either killed the Breyer or the, the Shaman. Mm-hmm. And he killed the Shaman. I talked to him afterwards, and the, I, I could already tell in the game he was probably doing it because he wanted to deny me some mana because he didn't know that it was holding extra mana. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that was the play that eventually got me there. And, dude, I, I just love Breyer's Apprentice so much. I, I will never not I know. I've, I've cut it for a while now, but it, it does has, have its moments and its games. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, from there I moved on into the finals against Christian Staubsauger Sankt Johansa. So this guy... is a much more interesting deck, right? Well, I don't know if we want to call it a deck. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, what he put together is a black-white Helm Initiative deck. This is the most meta-game deck I have ever seen in any of those tournaments. <laughs> because we, we knew the 16 players who were going to play there. You even knew the players that were going to be in your group. And he put something together to target the meta game really hard. So you you gotta imagine it's it's basically like a stompy deck with let's say Karn, Helm, Leyline, uh, Dark Ritual, and Opposition Agent. Because the group stage, uh, he, I was in this group. I didn't play against him because he we went two zero and and left the group. But I was also Doomsday, which of course like Opposition Agent's insane against. And then he just randomly threw in the eight initiative creatures, right? He just randomly had these eight white initiative creatures, some scrublands here and there, some fetchlands, and and he just made it work. Yeah, and he I mean, if you got fast mana and initiative creatures, is a good combo, funnily enough. Yeah, he even had like Void Walker, <laughs> right? That that Leyland on Lex, which. Yeah, yeah. Eight main deck lines and Karen finds more stuff. I watched the semifinals again, Spin Dick Gruber. Dude, that guy did some obscene shit. Like, some yeah. abs- like, Sanctu- like, I don't want to call him Sanctuary, so everybody calls him Staubsauger. Just- <laughs> what Staubsauger did, he played the first turn. First- okay, he- here's the sequence of the first two turns. 
Staubsauger goes, Turnbund Thoughtseize, take your Farsafoil. But it's not over from there. He goes, Chromebox, imprint something, Dark Ritual, Doughty Voidwalker. Then Bene untaps, I don't know what he does, doesn't matter. Then Staubsauger untaps again, plays another Thoughtseize, takes Bene's Chase, which goes under the Voidwalker, <laughs> yep. sacrifices the Voidwalker, turn two, I play your Chase, and then he just runs. Amazing. Yeah. Dude, this is insane. <laughs> Voidwalker can do some crazy things. Yeah, I've cast my fair share of Emrakuts with it. Uh, I streamed nice. uh, together with Kevin Dane the other day, and we we were playing our mill deck, and we had seven permanents, so including Voidwalker. So what we did is we took a sneak attack hit from Emrakul, sacrificed everything except for the Voidwalker. The Emrakul goes onto the Voidwalker, we untap and kill the opponent. Amazing. <laughs> I saw that you beat Steakin Show, and I was like, how the hell does Mill beat that? But that's yeah, how. Yeah, we, we do Just it e easy, easy. <laughs> Just use their creatures against them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, then we I'm up against Staubsauger with this like insanely good deck against me in the in the finals. Uh, e even opposition agent right is super annoying for us to play against. Shuts down Saga, shuts down Goblin Engineer and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's such an ugly card to play against, and Karn is also kind of a problem. Uh, I I'm trying to remember. I think he might have taken the first game. I actually don't remember what what the exact sequence was. It went to three games anyway. So what I noticed in it might have even been the first game is even though I thought I cared about Karn, I actually don't care about Karn as much as I thought I would. No, because... Karn, Karn is not as good against Painter as people think, these builds anyway. It, yeah, but... it's, it's the same reason that like the deck is built to be to have game against like Meltdown and Collector Roof and stuff. It it doesn't it doesn't completely destroy you. You like you can attack it down. Yeah, it, it was just like so weird because I had a Painter in play and a Saga on two. And he played an end-of-turn opposition agent. And I knew I had to pyroblast it, even though I didn't really wanna. Because if I didn't, then he was gonna get a grindstone of my saga and was <laughs> gonna kill me. Yep. <laughs> so it was yep. basically like a forced line. But it was also so telegraphed that he was setting this up so he could resolve card next turn, which I thought was gonna be super annoying. But then I kind of realized I don't care about Khan, honestly. So the game went on, and and he could use Karn like so many times. I think he got what, what's it called, um, the the land destruction thing, liquid metal coating. Yeah, he got liquid metal coating, and that was pretty much it. Like he he got some more random stuff that didn't really matter. But then Karn was just sitting there. I I, I ignored it. I just like nice. I attacked him, and he lost. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you play Magic, everyone. <laughs> Dude, Karn, I think Karn went to ten or something. I, I'm not even really? sure. Like wow. he ran out of out of stuff that mattered. Like and he didn't, like didn't have uh, lattice, I guess. No, he didn't have lattice, and yeah. he uh, he just like kept killing my lands every single turn. I was like, dude, here's another one, and take <laughs> like take one, take one, take one. And I think at some point I had like a random goblin or something. Like eventually, it just, yeah. this was it was a rather absurd game. That's um, great. This is the game three. No, no, no. The game three finish okay. was something else. The game three finish was one of the coolest things I ever did in Magic. Wow. Yeah, yeah, dude, I, I still love talking about it. So, in the third go game, on, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good position for most of the game. He has a ley line out, which makes it a little bit more annoying for me because my, my uh, graphic combo stuff doesn't really work. But I'm in an okay position, right? You're sitting there with Fable and stuff, and we we get to a point where I go a little bit low on life, he goes a little bit low on life because he keeps using his ancient tubes. And I think he once again has Karn, which I think doesn't really do all that much. So he puts a white bloom adventure into play, takes the initiative. I remove it. I take back the initiative instead of killing Karn. That, that was basically one of the biggest things. Instead of killing Karn, I take back the initiative. 
And then on my uh, on my next turn, because he he's not able to flash in an opposi opposition agent, so I keep the initiative for one more turn. But he makes a could he make a dungeoneer? I think he might have made a no. He didn't make a dungeoneer. Um, anyway, on my turn, it, you would think I would scry for two, because uh, it just felt like I was out of cards at that point. Like I I had done some stuff. He had traded some blows. I I removed the white bloom adventurer. I had some creatures in play, but no big offense. I, I think I had the goblin shaman token from Fable. And you would think I would scry. Like, this is, this is a situation where you just scry. You're, you're drawing from the top. The game is maybe not going to end very soon. Uh, and if it's going to end, it's probably going to end in his favor because he's playing the combo, right? He could top deck a helm. Um, but I do not scry. I forge. And do you know why I forged? Nope. <laughs> here's, the, here's the deal. I forged on my Goblin Shaman token because he was on nine life. And do you see where this is going? Oh, yeah, yeah, fine. If it's lethal next turn, yeah. No, it's not lethal. Oh, yeah, I guess well, it's, trap it's lethal. Room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I forge the dude, and I don't go for Karn. I could have killed Karn on that spot. No, I go for the face. I take him down to exactly five. Mm -hmm. And then I pass the turn, and he actually has Helm. Oh, actually, I see where I think this I'm, is going. I think yeah. I might have taken him down to seven. Uh, no, I took him down to five. Yeah, I took him down to five, and yep. then he used Ancient Tomb, and and he keeps looking at me. I have a single card in my hand. Uh, I I think I was even tapped out at that point for something. I don't remember. Maybe I made a fable. I don't remember. Anyway, it didn't really. It's actually up. before you, before you say what it is. If you take him down to seven there, and there's an Ancient Tomb in play for the Helm, that that's pretty smart. No, no, no. I took him down to five. Um, okay. Yeah, but he he was sitting there, and he was looking at me, and, and he's like, okay, I guess what can you have there's nothing you can really have because he had Leyland in play mm -hmm. and he had helm yeah so he thinks about this for like a minute or so and then he puts helm into play and i just mm -hmm. shrug and he keeps thinking about it for some more then he he mills me mm -hmm. i literally i take my deck i just put it to the side at that point some of the organizers are actually already walking away from the table and are <laughs> reporting to the to the church scorekeeper whatever that yep. that stops are gone <laughs> nope and, and then i took I take you my have deck an away. step yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I go to my upkeep. I'm yep. like, okay, I, I trap you. Yes, mate. <laughs> Beautiful. That's so good. That's it's so, good. so nice seeing the lines where you're just like, I mean, I, and he didn't, I guess. He, he did, he did, like, as he was about to pass, he eventually realized it, right? Yeah. He was yeah, like, yeah. oh, oh, you got that thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> that initiative thing. He's like, this is your fault. You put this in this game. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just love this because this is, this is cathartic in mm -hmm. a way almost because this has happened to me i played magic online i made the like i'm a mill deck as well right yeah. i played magic online i built the opponent with my painter and i felt like ha got it easy win let's move on oh oh i die on the <laughs> library head. i die on the upkeep this yeah. literally happened to me a couple of days before so i was like okay hey dude no no let's reverse the table let's just like let's do it the other way around and i ended up winning <laughs> i even walked over to the to the, to the guys <laughs> and they were like oh sorry you lost like no, actually, I won. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, "What? How? What? What's going on?" Yeah, you, you can watch it in the in the replay. So I'm gonna be on Finder Magic. I'm definitely gonna gonna post them on Twitter uh, yeah, once nice. they they become available next month. And let's see how properly I described it. Maybe I mixed up some games. What did you win? Um, the title. The title, nice. which qualifies That's the best me thing. For, yeah, the, which qualifies me for the next Invitational, and I got cool. a really cool custom handmade trophy. Nice. You That's can awesome, even, like, turn it on and, and give it, like, some light effects. I tried to do that. I, I don't know how to properly control it. But <laughs> wow. 
It I tried fancy. to put it where I put my other magic trophies, but I ran out of space. Like the shelf is wow. <laughs> big brags, big brags. Humble brags, hum- no, very big brags too. <laughs> no, I literally the, the the thing is like so many MKM and um, Buzz Half Mox and stuff. I I, I <laughs> put it somewhere but I still have to find a proper place for it. Mm-hmm. So very yeah, big cool, shout outs cool. to the to the Etcetera crew. Like I I support that. I don't do nearly as much work as the other guys do. So yeah, thank you for putting this together, and I, I had a blast, an absolute blast playing this. Amazing. So, yeah. Do, do we want to go over a couple more events? Because especially in Germany, there were some really big ones. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's the next one? The the JK one? Yeah, that that's the traditional end-of-year event that they do in Frankfurt basically every single year. I guess they didn't really do them during COVID. Mm-hmm. But this one was won by Vincent Reiter playing White Initiative Blade. And you I you said seen... he just like swept through the field, right? Pretty much, yeah. I, I haven't even seen him play Le- Legacy or Magic in like many years, and he got the deck from Mario Salzman, who put this together, which is st- rather standardish white initiative. But he's playing four copies of uh, the card that everybody, or at least that I hate, Stoneforge Mystic, and the targets yeah. were like Chitter, Better Skull, and Kaldra Complete. Everyone was playing at the beginning and then just went off it. Yeah, I. He's, he he's said got it was amazing. Yeah, he's also got like some weird things. So he's got the Stoneforges, one main deck, Loran. And then, like, two touch the spirit realm. Then he's gone for Chalice's main deck rather than swords as well. Yeah. the most interesting things. You know why that is? I'm pretty sure that, like, these guys, they never play the mirror all that much. From what I was told, uh, I'm I'm not sure if that's actually true. I was told that there were only two initiative players in the whole 74. That makes sense, actually. You know, I could see, like, a non-big, big legacy event in paper. Chalice is just better. Online, I'm pretty firmly in the swords main deck camp but online is a whole nother beast now yeah yeah so yeah vincent went through the entire actually it says six rounds of swiss so it must be less than 64 players uh won five mm-hmm. of them drew one of them and then the top eight he went 2-0 to 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 you mentioned what, what that must feel like right you, you barely ever play legacy these days and then you come to an event your friend gives you this wide stompy deck and then just like you go all the way and you're just like, Legacy's so easy. What is everyone complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> just play this stupid deck. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was one of the events. And the other one was taking place in Botrop 64. Oh, that was the one that has 64 players. Botrop in basically the very west of Germany. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just love the name so much. Yeah. Botrop. Botrop. 74 players? Yeah. And Bastard. apparently they had like an insane amount of white initiative. Like completely yeah. busted. Do you want to give us a rundown of the top eight? Yeah, I uh, actually let me let me open the link because this one. Okay, we're we're gonna go with the winner first. The winner is Tobias Garte playing White Initiative. Second place, Mark Brian Kohler, White Initiative. <laughs> Third place, Oliver Schuren, Painter. Hey, thank you very much. Nice. Fourth place, Dirk Langheim, White Initiative. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Fifth place, Dennis Alfaman, Naya Depth, something else. Uh, sixth place, Amadeus Kurtz, blue-white artifact aggro, of course. Amadeus always plays like some weird artifact shit. I love it, loving it. Seventh place, friend of the podcast, Nicolo Covoni, playing several at breakfast. By the way, Nicolo also got top eight at the at the JK event that we just talked about. So he got the double top eight during his visit to Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth place is also a friend of the podcast. That's Baum. Oh, Dennis Alf- Oh, mm-hmm. because the name is so familiar. Like I've seen Dennis at at like tournament results all the time. Like, yeah, ever since Den- Dennis is a Dennis is a killer. Oh, <laughs> okay, this is amazing, dude. Yep. Dennis, great job, great job there. Yeah, <laughs> cool. And dude, there's so many amazing people here. And yeah, Nicolo <laughs> not only good at organizing tournaments, also at crushing, yeah. almost crushing them. I he guess. top it both both days, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and he, he had to travel like from Frankfurt to Botshop. Like, amazing. Uh, okay. I don't know what he was doing there, but he was doing a legacy tour. That's amazing. <laughs> and then eighth place, we have Yannick Nellemann, Naya Depth as well. So Cool. Two Naya Depths as well. Yeah, most, play, uh, most played deck is eight initiatives, and we had three in the top four. Cool. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Isn't that refreshing? Yeah. Doesn't it make you want to play more of that shit? <laughs> I try to be the most positive person I can with Legacy. I'm just overplaying online really now. Uh, yeah, online it's absurd. Yeah, the, the deck is overstayed its welcome already for me. Yeah, you, you know it's weird once people like start heavily caring about the mirror match. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have said that recently that um, basically the two top decks by quite a fair margin are Isadova and White Initiative. And I think it really reflects in all these yeah, results Bob, we see. Bob put out some numbers. He said like from premier events online, it's that the two decks combined are like 50% of the winner's metagame. Yeah, makes sense. And also, that, that's what we see in Albert Lindblom's uh, data as well. He put yeah. together the winner's metagame of the last four weeks, and he had Blue Red Diver at 20% and White Stompy at 20% as well. So that's 40. So I guess there's some mm -hmm. variance because Bob used a different time frame. Yeah. And, and the next there. best deck is Elves at 5%. <laughs> it, it oh, yeah. I, what a I, time to be alive. Yeah, yeah. I think we won't, we won't linger on this too much, but I think you can tell from our tones where not particularly happy with with things as they are i i think in the next few months we're going to see some change uh the next few months i think it's going to be in february yeah uh, I, i'd be like i've seen people talk about oh it's going to happen this month i don't think it's going to happen this month this month it's not that quick but i'm pretty yeah. positive that also like that's why i don't really care all that much about um the, the exciting thing is what are they actually going to do because I cannot imagine a world where they touch the actual mechanic because the mechanic was created for multiplayer and for all I would know, uh, people are happy with that. So why would they touch the actual yeah. mechanic? Or like even I remove mean, rooms, that's a bit crazy to me. No, no, I don't think... That, I think what they could do is just say if you, if you only get the initiative if you started the game with two or more opponents. But Oh, so basically they kills it. The kill, that, kill, that's kills it to, in, to banning the cards. Kills it in 1v1, yeah. But yeah. I think the other options are just like ban white plume and ban iteration and hopefully something else yeah i don't know, I don't know. yeah yeah they, they, plume, like, if they, I can, do... they can boot so many cards that are in these two decks into the sun so i don't really mind it's just something is there, is there anything close is there anything at three mana against the initiative no i don't i think that's the only one there there is an artifact but it costs two mana to then activate and it etb's tapped so no not really oh, okay <laughs> that's not yeah. exactly the same yeah no so I, white, I white plume it's... is the is the the only three mana Creature. And if you if you only keep like the four and five mana ones around, because I think there's like some in black and some in green, yeah, uh, that's probably gonna be okay. And I mean, that's probably gonna. I think it's fine. The deck is literally much... just Mulligan Mulligan to turn one white plume the deck. It's uh... yeah, yeah. It, it feels it happens anyway. quite often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We but, do yeah. we do have a really cool top eight from the SCG 10k. Ah, uh, that Anorak streamed right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was watching that. the The top eight was really. Quite interesting like there was some delver mirrors which usually i'm not super hot on but there was some uh the first place finish was dave kaplan og like old school legacy player he played mm. insanely well in i think it was the quarterfinal it could have been the win in as well it was a mirror and his opponent was playing the like black splash for snuff out which um, i think is really good but dave played super tight like he you could see he was playing very methodically thinking about everything all the little bits, like, you know, keeping the exact right cards in the graveyard after delving. He played so well. And so I, th that was really cool to watch and impressive. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Dave Kaplan, also one of the 
uh, members of the team that made Team America. Old school, like Bug Delver, with like hymns and sinkhole and Tombstalker and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Oh, I, that's I, a long time ago. That's like, who, who yeah. else was there? Like David Gerhardt? Yeah. And yeah. I forgot the third person. I'm pretty sure of this anyway. Like, I could be wrong. If if I'm wrong, someone shout at me. But I, I think Dave is part of that crew. Awesome. He's also on the Elo Pantas podcast tonight. So if you want to check out uh, some yes, yeah. thoughts from him about him winning the tournament, uh, check those guys out. Yeah. And then second, we had uh, Jeffrey Carr playing Blue Ray Delver as well. It looked, um, both lists, I think, were pretty similar. Third place, we have a really cool deck, which is it's labeled Mono Blue Painter. Um, it's essentially eight cast with Painter and Grindstone in the deck. And I think cut chalices for those cards from memory. But um, it looked really good on stream. He did lose to Delver in, uh, I guess, the semifinals. But the deck is powerful. Like You play very fast Kappa Cadenaires as well. And you put all this huge pressure that the eight cost deck usually does, and you have huge constructs from your sagas and stuff. But then you do threaten this combat uh, combo that doesn't use the combat step, which is a good place to be against like initiative at the moment. So that was really cool. It's actually kind of interesting because when you, when I think about the the Japanese event, they had a mono green painter in the top eight deck. So that at this one point you had all the colors covered, right? Yeah, that mono green deck. I I mean the I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. It's too big brain for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was basically it's... like a like a reclaimer depth deck, but then it also had the painter combo in there randomly, and that, that yeah. was as far as synergies go. Yeah, <laughs> I just love it. To yeah, be sore. <laughs> that that was it. I, I I just don't. Yeah, I don't get it, but it makes it all the more impressive that they top eighted. Really, maybe, um, maybe they they are literally are so big brain we cannot comprehend. <laughs> I could believe it, man. Japan, yeah, Japan I mean, is so far ahead of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um. Back to the SG, in fourth place, we have Matthew Long, who is labeled as four-color aggro, but this is Delver with the Black Splash. This is the player that I said was um, playing against Dave, so it was the semifinals match that was... I was very impressed. Both of them played really well, but Dave, like, just looked great. So, Matthew, really cool list, I think. Um, I think this is very, very on the ball for, like, the current meta game. He has three Belfast Stricks in the main deck and three Stuff Out in the main deck. This is clearly targeting the mirror and initiative. Like, this is mm -hmm. with those in mind. And then the cyborg, three Dread of Night as well. Um, pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> it's almost as good as Gloom. Yeah, just not as good as Gloom. <laughs> I wonder if Delva could play Gloom. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And then we have um, Colin Lugo on Mono Blue 8 cast, Michael Levine on Mono Black Combo, which I'm just going to pull up. I That's assume. Helm. That's basically Helm, Helm Combo. Mono Black Helm. Nice. Um, we have G Berlin Rut. I'm not sure if that's your name. Randomator. And then a friend of ours, David Riley. Um, on Cephala Breakfast, which breakfast again, pretty up a sweet result. Dev shout out to Devin. I met him when I uh, went over to America last year. Hung out with him in New York. That was cool. So yeah, uh, breakfast still continuing to do well, right? So we've got Devin in the top eight here. We had Niccolo top eighting both days <laughs> in Botrop. It's... Dude, I, I I watched Kai this morning before I went to, to Stuttgart for the trade fair. Um, I watched Kai and he almost got the 5-0. and oh. He almost got the 5-0 and with the Cephala Breakfast. You know where he messed up. I saw the line on my phone, but I couldn't quickly type. I couldn't type quickly enough on my phone. He could have played a random search because he had um, he all he needed was to go to two mana, and mm -hmm. he had Nomads of Quorum play, and he had Cephalid Illusionist in hand, and all he needed was one more mana. And everybody knows the trick, right? But usually everybody does the trick with Lotus Petal. Or, oh, is it surgical or... in a daze? Yeah, exactly. He had surgically. He could have dazed nice. his own surgically, replayed the land, get the Cephalid Illusions down and won. Oh. And I was trying to type it on my phone, but I couldn't, <laughs> and he already passed the turn. <laughs> Kai! 
<laughs> and then the next turn he could still have done it, but like things have changed and didn't really make all that much sense anymore at that point. So he, yeah, he went four and one, but it's actually absurd how many opening hands he had where he literally, he opens the hand and he's like, okay, this is turn two kill and everything else is just protection now at this point. Dude, um, Tagores streamed a league this morning and he posted a screenshot on Twitter of him like having a turn two kill with like force and double days back up. <laughs> the deck is very powerful. Easy as that. Yeah. <laughs> dude, what a deck. Yeah, dude, I, I would love to. I think Kai is actually building the deck in paper, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so as well. That's his, I mean, uh... it types on you already have like the underground seas. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to buy the Shukos now, though. They're the uh, big money. Yeah, we, we were talking about that on stream. Why Shuko and Ankerman? And then <laughs> Severin, the eternally surprised, uh, pointed out that up until Merodin, they had never printed an artifact at common. Hmm. I never realized this. But no, that I, means I would you, never have known that. For example, you have never seen the Urza Saga symbol on a... That, like the plain Urza Saga symbol mm -hmm. in black on an artifact. And now that I think about it, I don't remember any... any uh, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I would never have guessed day. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of silly equipments, like, I've just started playing Lightning Greaves and Painter, which is sick, by the way. Oh, and, that thing. Oh, yeah, tell us about it. We were talking about this at the beginning. They're so right? expensive, though. everybody has been waiting. What? Oh, so they're, they're like, they printed I mean, into the ground or something? Yes, they have. And it's still, like, a staple in every single bloody EDH deck. So I think they're, they're not too bad on, on Magic Card Market. But you have to buy them from, like, separate sellers and stuff like that. Because they all have like one random one lying around, and they're so like, what are they, like like ten euros or something. Yeah, something like that. So we're, we're, they're like eight pounds in the UK, which okay. I would have guessed they're like twenty cents or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why I thought as well. I thought they'd be reprinted in the ground. They have like twenty reprints, but anyway, um, I haven't set on the list yet. I'm just gonna pull up what I play, what I posted on Twitter just like yesterday. Because so as I said earlier, this shell. It's kind of like you do play Painter and Grandson. I think it's still right to play them because the deck has so many tutors like Saga and Engineer, basically. Mm -hmm. But the package that I'm loving is Phyrexian Dragon Engine and Unearth. And Unearth just also helps the whole Goblin plan. Like you can Engineer for a Painter and then just bring it back straight away for one mana. And it also just brings back your Goblins when they get bolted and stuff. Like obviously it's a little bit awkward if they Swords or Prismatic ending them, but... You, you generally like the kind of swords and ending matchups and the bolt ones are harder because it's usually Delver. So this is really cool. Unearth, obviously, you bring back a dragon engine and you get to discard your hand and then draw three. Um, <laughs> so the, the role players around this is the Scrapwork Mutt that we mentioned earlier, the two mana two one that like ETB loots a card. Um, I've play I, I started with like three or four in the deck and it was kind of a cool role player. And I was like, oh, but this card is like, kind of crap right so i cut it and then i actually just missed having some more loot effects so i've added them back in i think it's actually not too bad in the deck um but yeah lightning greaves is i think it was suggested by ink welder in the discord um the painted discord a few days ago or maybe like last week and it immediately like peak bench is like you know what that's actually potentially amazing um i've always wanted to find some reliable way to have the goblins have haste and like there's anger you need to get in the graveyard first and stuff and you don't always draw a basic mountain and like <laughs> i looked at mass hysteria which is like all creatures have haste but giving <laughs> oh, your giving your you opponents creatures haste. at that point yeah yeah so that was a bit silly but then so lightning greaves it's kind of awkward that it, it walks into all of our usual sideboard cards against us so like you know collector roof force of vigor blah blah so you know it, it's still in testing but like you can do some really cool things 
like I played against Anurag yesterday when when he was streaming, and he got to like Hydro Blast my my engineer that I played, and that like tapped him out on turn three. So then I followed up with like Lotus Pedal, unearth my engineer, equip the Lightning Greaves to it, um, bring in the Dragon Engine, then equip them to the Dragon Engine, hit oh. you for four, and then the following turn I just put even more pressure on him. And uh, Lightning Greaves obviously gives the, the Kiki from Fable Haste as well, which you can do some really crazy things. Um, it also just protects your goblins. So, like, protecting a goblin welder is super powerful in the right matchups. So I'm going to try a Portal to Phyrexia, the card which I made fun of when it came out. When it came out, I got a bunch of people saying, Callum, what do you think of this big, big <laughs> artifact you can never cast in Painter? And I've always... Been, your life now. <laughs> I've always, yeah, I've always been super against a big, dumb thing because I've thought you just don't need that because you know you can win with painter regardless but now i'm thinking like with unearth to bring back the goblins and the greaves to kind of protect them from removal i think having a big thing to, to weld in is a little bit more reliable and with the added velocity of the deck as well from dragon engine so you're going to just see welders a bit more because you've got the scrapwork mutts and the dragon engines just drawing more cards than normal painter usually does and you have four fables as usual as well so yeah. i'm going to try a big portal to phyrexia um, the, the list I posted is I'm going to run through it very quickly um, for lands you've got 21 lands including 4 ancient tomb, 2 cities 4 sagas and then 2 bad lands with some fetches um, I might One just try fetch, exactly right um, oh no 2 fetches 2 fetches 3 actually... 3 fetch lands <laughs> it's 3 fetch lands at the moment yeah. um, and then there's like 2 mountains and 4 great furnace so usually um, on less great furnaces but I want to like maximize the goblins in this so Starting from basically, there. you're maximizing your your vulnerability to all the stuff that hurts us. Yeah, this like, is this mess is artifact removal, <laughs> narrow effects, graveyard effects, what yeah. have you. <laughs> this is this is how I build decks actually. So this is a little insight into how I build things. Is I work from a, a powerful point that's like weak to cyborg cards, and then I work backwards, uh, tailing things down until I find that you know it's at the right spot where it's powerful enough but still not weak enough to combo. So I'm starting with these numbers. And then I'll probably cut some great furnaces. Okay. I'll, pro I'll probably, I think the deck is also quite weak to graveyard hate now. So I'll probably end up cutting back on a couple of unearths kind of thing. Um, there's also three lightning greaves. You, you probably should just play two because you're going to walk into the oofs and the null rods or whatever. But yeah, I like starting with the more powerful thing to see if the powerful thing, quote unquote powerful thing is just like unearthing dragon engines. But see if it works. Mm -hmm. But then, um, yeah, the, the deck just has tons of velocity. So you do see things and you see all these, like the engineers and the sagas and you find your grindstone. Yeah. So the list I posted are three grindstone and four painter. Um, I think you could just go back down to two grindstones like usual. And I think you can play three painters as well because you, you there's no blasts in this deck. There's, there's also no furies, no blasts, no bolts. Yeah. That's, so, that's the thing that scares me because yeah. you, you talked about how Phyrexian Dragon Engine can produce like some insane card advantage. Yeah. And but you're not the, really the using thing, it. Exactly, right? If you're not yeah. using it to interact with your opponent, it doesn't it really matter. And yeah, at that point, yeah, you're either going to like overwhelm them with combo attempts, attempts yeah. or you're going to do something like Portal. That's why I, I'm not sure if Portal is going to be the be-all, end-all. I guess you no. also don't know yet. No. But that, that's why I like like something like a top end isn't there, right? You're building towards something. Because yeah. if your only card advantage is for the sake of making more card advantage and, and getting more scrapwork mud in play, that's not that's not what you're doing. <laughs> that's Dude, like how you do it. But what, don't, what... don't mess with it. I, I, played, uh, <laughs> I played against Lands in the last round at LLM on Saturday. And I went turn one Ancient Tomb scrap mud. And he wastelanded me. And I played a land, he wastelanded me. I played another land and he wastelanded me. But I, the scrap mutt did like 10 or 12 damage and I got to, got to attack him with engineers for the last bits. 
So that's still not very exciting to me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the most exciting game. Um, but you, you're right. So the deck, sh- I think the deck is concentrating on comboing. Basically, it's it's a better combo deck than what we usually play. Uh, much better because you have the greaves the greaves is like an extra painter as well when it's ready in play but they can't kill it with creature removal because mm. if you have the grindstone in play then you play the painter and then you equip the greaves to the painter they have to respond with the removal there then you get to activate the grindstone response so it's like a, it's like a painter that's already in play which they can't swords or bolt whatever which is pretty nice um yeah, the rest of it is like so four pedals because you are splashing black they help with it so no spirit guides one mox opal is the usual with the sagas four on earth four welder of course three grindstones a nihil spell bomb four engineers four painters three scrapwork muck three lightning greaves four fables and there's three dragon engines i often want four but like three is kind mm-hmm. of enough mm-hmm. and then a portal to phyrexia Hey, help and, us out again. What exactly does Portal to Phyrexia do? Oh yeah, so it's a nine I mean, when man- we talk about like a nine mana card that he's played, it's a nine mana artifact. And so you're realistically just bringing it in with Goblin Welder, so you can uh, engineer for it into the graveyard and weld it in. Um, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices three creatures, and at the beginning of your upkeep, I believe it is, you get to put a creature from any graveyard into play, and it's like a Phyrexian addition to its creature types or something. So it's the idea is it's pretty insane against both Delver and Initiative, right? Um, yeah, against initiative, just making them sack some creatures, then you start getting the initiative creatures into play. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's basically a win condition against yeah. almost anything that's creature-based. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that they can't, like, solitude or whatever way. They can um, touch the spirit room, which kind of sucks, but you've already got, like, you've made them sacrifice all their creatures and stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the, the the biggest challenge right now is finding a name for it, right? Yeah. Um, I call it Painterless like... Painter is so boring, dude. No, it's it's not it's not called that. It's not even it's, painter. Um, painter. <laughs> I'm looking at. I think it's black forest cake. Black forest. Oh, cake. black forest cake. Okay, so in, in your thing? in your thing, it's called Robo Dog. Yeah, black black forest ghetto. Cat black forest ghetto. Okay. Yeah. Not <laughs> okay. not ghetto ghetto. Yeah. Or it can be black forest cake, but yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so um, this is also playing online. So Defiler would be in the paint the paper version. So I had three that I played mm-hmm. on Saturday. I think mm-hmm. three is too many. Two is fine. I just love the card and I want to play loads of it. So yeah, obviously Painter uh, Defiler is insane in this deck as well. So you'll, you'll jam a couple in, in paper. You know what you should do? You should stream a couple of matches. I would definitely tune in. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I'm doing a private stream for the Discord tomorrow. What? For, for the Painter Discord. What? Yeah. Uh, the Painter Discord is just so good. Like we most days or like not most days sometimes there's someone streaming we've got a stream channel and just everyone hangs out and chats together and stuff so robert r aka Lightwalker, he was streaming yesterday with jack kitchen uh-huh. and then i think tomorrow me and him are gonna stream some stuff oh no, no interest in doing it publicly on twitch uh, anyone's not, welcome it, anyone anyone is welcome to join the painted discord is that a new thing a lot of people have been doing that recently i, I never really got like the idea of it but I mean, sure. It's nice because <laughs> you're just you're just you're actually real time chatting via mic with uh, other people that are like playing in the deck with you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they can do that. <laughs> it's a newer thing, but we'll see. I'll I'll probably stream it later on another time. Um, yeah, I mean, once this episode comes out, it's already going to be over anyway, yeah. and then maybe we're going to see it on Twitch sometime. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it's just what I'm really enjoying. So I don't know if it's actually better than normal painter I, I don't think so but you know what you should do you should it, submit it to a, as a donation deck list to kai Ooh, i'm just gonna tell him to play it <laughs> oi oi kai yeah I'll, I'll i'll stream it at some point or i'll play it more like i've played two leagues with like very bad versions and both went at 4-1 um mm-hmm. 
it's it's doing some powerful stuff it's you really you feel like it's going off it's much more of a combo deck than usual you, as you said you don't have the removal i was i did like almost <laughs> i didn't lose it i almost lost a game to game one collector roof but then you make constructs and go boom boom but, <laughs> okay yeah the lack of removal is a thing like you could die to, without because defiler is meant to be the removal but then i haven't really accosted for that for magic online it's really annoying that defiler is online basically uh, do, do we actually know when those cards are going to come out? Because I heard there's, it's weird because they can't single release them. They have to release them as the proper decks. Yeah. So, they, they are, like, so they've said restrictions. Yeah. So they're coming the first year of 2023, the first half of 2023. So that's very open. So we don't know more than that. But they've said they are coming in the first half of the year. And yeah, they, the reason for the delay is they have to, because of their um, like the, the laws with Games Workshop, they have to do the whole decks or nothing. So mm, having to put the whole decks okay. online. Yeah. So I, I honestly mm. thought it was going to come this month. I don't know why I thought that, but now you're telling me it's the first half of the year. It, it could be forever. It could be. It could be. But I, I've, I feel like it's more going to be like April, May, June. Oh God, that's still way too long. I know, like honestly, I, know. I really thought it was going to come out like in a week or so. <laughs> God no. I mean, this hurts. This hurts so much, dude. It could be, but we we have no indication at all. So I'm uh, just I'm just being a pain a patient little chaos defiler. What a what a minor misstep by them. By the way, <laughs> speaking of minor misstep, what do you think about the? Card I was about was to ask you the same question. All right. So for, for those who don't know, that's a card that was spoiled today. It's going to come out on some future set. Nobody knows. Like, there's way too many of those. It's one blue instant. Counter-target spell with converted mana cost one or zero. So it's basically mental misstep, but it costs mana, but it can also hit stuff for zero. To be technically correct, one or less. So it can be something without mana cost, like a cascade spell as well. Oh, true, true. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. actually relevant. Yeah. yeah. Go on. What do you think? Well, honestly... I don't get the hype. I, I, I've only seen very few people actually hype it up. The, the thing to me, and I think Chavis, I think it was Chavis Yu who summed it up. He said, I've never seen somebody, he, he was talking about Anorak, right? Who thought it was absurdly broken or something. Absurdly, absurdly dangerous. dangerous, dangerous, Absolute. right? Okay, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a way to cover all your bases, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, I've never seen somebody this excited about trading one for one and potentially down on mana. Dude, I said that. Was that you? Yes. <laughs> Jarvis replied to it. Okay, yeah. Jarvis replied to it. Okay, anyway, so you said that. And I thought that was yeah, really yeah. smart. Ah, thank you. Um, Just just lucky. But yeah, no, well, fine. That, that sums up what I think as well. I think it's pretty bad. I, I would guess, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. you said it. Um, no, but seriously, that's that's really how I think about the card as I, well. My, my actual feeling is a bit more reserved. I think it's not very good, but it has potential to be like a one of here and there and it could be played a little bit but you don't come and listen to podcasts for like reserve takes i'm gonna say i think it's a crap card and it's not gonna be played anywhere and it's terrible there we go <laughs> <laughs> loving it loving it do you know what xj posted earlier today he oh it was so good yes he, yeah. he made a tweet like he posted um Getaxian probe and then peak next to it and then he posted mental misstep and this next to it yeah and that basically perfectly sums it up right yeah yeah, yeah. he's like I don't know why I'm posting all these the pictures of these cards, but they seem related. I'm not sure. <laughs> Honestly, if if I had to guess, it's basically it's basically Stifle, and I like Stifle a lot better. Yeah, because Stifle interacts with like onboard stuff as well. Yeah, and Stifle is also like it, it trades up on mana so many times. Like but if you it, Stifle uh, a relevant ability on like yeah. a three drop, which is very common in Legacy, you you trade it up on mana. And it's also it's... a completely unique effect, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like this is not this this can be forced or like you, there's other there's other counter magic 
I just don't see this at all. As you know, I'm I'm retracting my even my like reserved take. I think it's <laughs> I think people will try it for a bit and then it's just like it's another tool. Um, I think it's going to be pretty good in modern. But other than that, like it's a thing that if a right meta game comes where like, there's like one drops the deck and Chalice gets banned, then maybe. And then it does have this parasitic ability where like if everyone's playing this card, then you have to play it to fight it in a weird sense. But you can also just play like, I don't know, just play Chalice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically you're saying like if, if we don't do this whole Ancient Tomb thing anymore and everybody's trying to slam like three and four yeah. drops, then maybe that's the word. Like Look, I can see a legacy Maybe it's okay past. against Zoo. Maybe. maybe it's okay against Zoo. Oh, is it? <laughs> it maybe. It's it's still like a reactive thing. For to just have a, a bolt or something. I don't know. You know, you saying it's okay against Zoo, that feels like when you're flying like from Germany to France and they tell you about like the life rests. Under your seats. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just thinking like, if we crash... Maybe I'm gonna, I need this minor misstep, but yeah, we're not going to crash. What if you crash into a lake? Then, then I will need my life first. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if everything fails, at least this is going to be a good sound clip for everyday channel number 200. Yeah. <laughs> but I also don't think that this card is actually going to make any kind of waves. No. There is a there's a cool deck which, like, Francis and Marcus are memeing about, which is, like, you play all the conditional counter spells. So you play, like, this and Spell Snare and then, oh, obviously, God. the Snapcasters. And so if everything lines up, which is, like, the control player's dream, it feels like the deck is unbeatable. But, you know... Oh, and you play stuff, like, like, Disrupt? A... I guess so. But I think the most thing is just, like, just this plus Spell Snare. And they need to make a, a one-mana counter target, like, CMC3 spell as well. <laughs> <laughs> super fucking specific yeah, yeah yeah i mean they'd be all terrible but yeah oh uh, dude i i guess the the one mana counter cmc3 is, is called fast bike kind of I, I would think I <laughs> anyway guess. uh good callum do, do we do we call it a day from here is there i think so you wanna get out? um you've written one more note at the bottom of the yeah it says get fucked under city there we go just get it <laughs> okay let's let's move beyond that <laughs> so if you want to support the running of everyday channel uh please consider leaving a review of apple podcast it's been a while since we got our last one but 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 if you want to enjoy and you want to share your enjoyment of the show and share it with a lot of people and get more people to to listen to this you can do so by leaving a review on apple podcasts five star please please <laughs> and you can of course also join our discord uh become a patreon on patreon.com slash everyday channel or you can just, you know, hang out on social media, post a bunch of meme, do the join in on the shit posting on at EternalMTG. You can find me on itstudent 23 You can find Kai on Savatarix. And Callum, you can be found on Callum Smith MTG, right? Yep, and the Warhammer channel in our Discord. Oh the Warhammer channel has exploded. The yep. Warhammer channel he has absolutely my friend just sent me the pictures. He got the um Imperial what, what are they called? The, the very basic troops, Imperial Royal Oh yeah, Imperial, Imperial Guard. Guard. Yeah, Imperial Did he get, Guard. Yeah, he got the box. He got the the thing that has like eight of those guys in it and like a nice. like a tank or something. I don't know. Excellent. Uh, but he already went to the the games workshop in town and and they helped him out a lot. And dude, he's so yeah. excited for it. He's making me so excited. I'm gonna get the orcs. I'm yeah, get the you. Boys. I'm. I've sent you so many things to get. You're yeah, get you told soon. me I, I should get the Comet Patrol, right? Yeah, it's great. That's the thing. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> you, you 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 save like whatever it costs like you're getting all the stuff at like half price and you get a ton of stuff oh but yeah oh, okay okay yeah anyway listeners if you want to come and talk warhammer come and come into the very, discord very very active warhammer channel with a lot of people <laughs> getting into warhammer right now so Hell yeah yes 
So thank you to all the mad people, crazy people all over the world making this possible. Not only our dis uh, Discord patrons, but especially our patrons on Eternal Witness tier level. Savatara Orico, Tommy Hinks, Testacula, Sebastian Holaga, Guillem, Hannawalf, Sean Dewey, Francis Kauper, Cassandra Davis, Benedict Gruber and Severin Schwarzuber. By the way, last two both made top eight in the East Saturday Invitational as well. Nice. And Grizzle Brentier, Victor Benatzt, Bachibat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Cockwoods, Tom Hepp, Andrew Whitman, Kane, Ian Seyfeld, Fritz Sternert, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Wishing you all an amazing time. Wish me the best of luck for nine or ten days of trade fairs ahead of me. Gonna be Ugh. selling so much Kenya all over the place. Promising. <laughs> sounds, tough. sounds tough so yeah if you if you wanna if you wanna get some kenya got your fair share of kenya hit me up at interdive at stuttgart or boat at Düsseldorf next week i'm gonna be there so everybody have a great time see you and tune in again next week see you everyone